1: Taking the time and tuning in with us today. We have an amazing, amazing show going
2: on with us. Lena Aberrafi, how are you today? I'm great. I'm excited and <laughs> delighted to be with you. I am so excited too. It's been,
1: it's been one of those mornings already. Lena's <laughs> looking at me like, what the heck is Karen
2: doing today? <laughs> That's okay. I, I have a motto that I picked up at my high school. It was actually my high school motto, function in disaster, finish in style. And I think that that might characterize our day or our lives.
1: Right. I love that so much. That is so much fun. Today's episode, it's February 2nd, 2022. January has flown by. We are a step into the new year. Today's show title is called Empowering Women, Empowering You. What does women empowerment mean? It is more than just a slogan. How can, we, how can we help women to be empowered? Can we work on women's rights in our everyday lives? In the middle of our homes and jobs and communities, what does that matter around the world? Today, these questions will be answered with my guest, Lena, and I'm so excited to have her on. She has a bio- to die for. I like went through her bio. I'm like, oh, every, it seems like every guest listeners, I am just humbled and gratitude fills my heart with, with my guests that um, allow me to interview them and allow to take the time to be with me. And so my heart is full today, and I totally, I appreciate you and being here today. So thank you. Thank you so much. She's absolutely amazing. Listeners, as we begin this next hour together, I invite us that we just take a time and cross our legs, get comfortable wherever you're at, close your eyes, and do me a favor and take a deep breath in through your nose, allowing that breath of life to come in, and then out through your mouth. Again, in through your nose and out through your mouth. Feeling the body just sink in, feeling the light start to opening up. And now put your arms around your shoulders like you're giving yourself a big hug. In fact, give yourself a big hug right now. Just squeeze yourself. You are amazing. And I want you to repeat this phrase. I am worthy of my love. Repeat that three times, either out loud or to yourself. I am worthy of my love. I am worthy of my love. I am worthy of my love. Take another deep breath in. And release. And then tapping your chest three times, saying, accept, accept, accept. Another deep breath in. And releasing, opening up your eyes, and just being for a moment. (sighs) Listeners, I invite you throughout the day, take that 20 seconds, whatever you need, just to ground, just to be in the moment. And it's so important to do this. I invite you to grab your pens, grab your notebook, grab your notepads because we got our affirmation for the week. <laughs> and I, if you, this is the first time you've listened to this show, I tell Nina that I have a, a deck of affirmation cards, and whatever pops out is the affirmation that we use. And it's amazing how it just goes hand in hand with what we're speaking about. And so, I invite Lena as I read this affirmation to share with the listeners what comes into your forefront, what you think of. Always with your heart, eagle behind, <laughs> eagle's always behind, and just be, okay? Okay. So today's affirmation is I had to read it for a moment. It wasn't just a two line or two words, it was a longer one. It says, I surround the earth with love and light. I surround the earth with love and light. Selena so, when I when I read that what came into your thoughts on this one?
2: I think that's beautiful and perfect for today and it really touches me because it's so much of what I do. You know, I feel like we uh, yes, we understand our sense of responsibility to ourselves, but do we truly understand the sense of responsibility we bear for each other and the idea that we really do need to support each other and help lift each other up? And if we're talking about things like like freedom and rights and dignity and respect and the things to which we're all entitled, none of us can have those things unless all of us have those things. So none of us can be free uh, as women, as people unless, our sisters, unless everybody is free, so it really is a collective responsibility to see beyond our own worldview, beyond our own little space, um, to do whatever we can to be better for each other. And in doing that, that that makes that makes us all better. It does reflect back on ourselves. It does make us better as well. It makes our space and our communities, our societies, our countries, our planet, the earth, better.
1: I agree with you a hundred percent. Sometimes we get. St- we get stuck in our boxes. We get stuck in our little lives, whatever it looks like. And we forget that there's a whole new world out there, a bigger world. You know, I love Aladdin when they're singing. I know I always go to things like that where they're singing on the carpet and the, he sees the world totally different. Jasmine's on the back going, oh, my gosh, it's a whole new world, you know, because she sees she's outside of her little castle compound, whatever you want to call it. She's outside of it, right? And she sees something magical and majestic. Mm -hmm. And yet here she is, this princess, but she's lived a sheltered life. And we, in some sort of way, all of us throughout our human lives, there's points where we have lived a very sheltered life. And there's opportunities for us to step outside that box and to grow. And today you are going to share with our listeners, magical words and words of wisdom and knowledge and truth that you strongly believe in. Now you've been doing um, a women's right act for what 25
2: years? Well, you know, I started as a teenager. So let's count from when I developed a feminist consciousness, right? And I knew then, you know, you don't need a magic carpet to be able to look outside of your own space and see what's going on and recognize the interconnections. I was 14 and I was in a high school class. I mean, you know, the things that we learn at that age, sometimes they just, they set off a bomb in our hearts. And that's really what happened to me. I was in a class called Comparative Women's History. And what we did was not learn about women's history, but about the history of violence against women. And that absolutely blew my mind. Everywhere in the world, in this country and in every other, in every time and space, in every socioeconomic level or religion or culture or context or whatever, all of us are affected. And so in the end, we're all responsible for that kind of crime and the fact that it continues. So that for me was it, that was my moment. That was my moment where I stepped out of um, out of my little box, and I've done nothing else since. And so it's been more than thirty years. That's, that's incredible. The age of
1: fourteen when you're sitting in this class because I love that you brought that you're fourteen. You're sitting in this class learning about women's rights. What was that aha moment? What What was the one thing that heard, you heard in that class that you're your 14-year-old girl was like, this is not right. I've got to change this. Like what sparked, what sparked you? Because I, listeners, if you see her, she's absolutely beautiful and radiant and she's spunky. I mean, I'm looking at her. She's got, oh, look at her, you're gorgeous. So as a 14-year-old, what, what was it? What was Because it's usually one thing. Sometimes it's a, a ripple in fact,
2: right? But there's that one thing. What was yours? It was the everyday ordinariness of it. It was the fact that everybody experiences it, from forms of domestic violence, to uh, uh, to more severe things, to sexual harassment, microaggressions in the workplace, to female genital cutting, to all of it. I mean, it just was so many different forms, but everywhere all the time, and almost normalized and accepted. And in many places, people said, well, you know, this is what it means to be a woman, or we always are going to have to be afraid, or the law is not going to protect us, and our families won't protect us, and society doesn't respect us, and, and, and. And it was just this unbelievable avalanche of surrender and the idea that, oh, well, this is what it is, and this is how it's always been. And it was that, it was the acceptance of it. It was that feeling of surrender where I said, no, I I just can't. I mean, I might not make a dent in my lifetime, but I won't give up and I'll do it until I die. I will die trying. And that for me was was the moment because it is so frustrating. There are no measures of success. I can't say I saved this many women or I fixed this many societies or countries or solved these problems. Never can I say that. Mm -hmm. But what I can say is I maybe planted a seed and that seed will take root long after I'm gone and someone can dig me from the grave and give me updates. But at the present pace that we're going, we're not going fast enough and we can't surrender to the inevitability of that. We have to all fight even if we're not going to see the results in our lifetime. And it was that. That is what got me.
1: And as a 14 year old to, to think that and to know, and I'm sure over time that has evolved and evolved and grown even more powerful to what your mission statement is, to what your mission is. Like you said, you can't count how many women's lives have changed, but you are planting the seed. And I think that is so important to remember that in life. That is what we're doing. We're planting the seeds. We're trying to figure things out. Um, That's why I started this radio show. This whole podcast is planting the seeds, spreading the love and light to people, and allowing the guests to come on. Now you have written, you've written more than one book, haven't you?
2: Have you written one or I have written two. My second one just got published, and I'm working on a third that needs a publisher actually. Um, and the third one, I know I keep putting it out there to the universe, because uh, I it'll believe happen. that it'll, it, it will happen. Um, but the third one is really the one that's closest to my heart because it's a memoir. It's personal. So it tells the story of how I started and why I started and the ways that I tried to affect change. And maybe I didn't do it right. And the places I've been and what that's meant to me personally. So it really is, um, It's a personal journey. Uh, It's been incredible and confronting and emotional to to write it. And now it just needs the right kind of home. Um, Mm -hmm. But the first two are very much focused on the work and the issues. And they both are focused on women in Afghanistan, because I spent a fair bit of time there um, from 2002 until 2006. I lived there for four years. And the first book emerged from that experience and my doctoral research as well. And the second book came in kind of accidentally, maybe six months ago, because of what was happening in Afghanistan. And I had the opportunity to tell the 20-year story. So looking at the 20-year commemoration of uh, 9-11, which led Mm -hmm. to events in Afghanistan And what that has meant for Afghan women and how their lives have changed or not and how we really have, in effect, come full circle with the Taliban being back in power, which is precisely what uh, the the attempt at liberation was in the first place. So, you know, how have they fared? How has it been for them? Uh, And it was that was also quite tough to write because the story just isn't a happy one. The progress isn't there. And there've been a lot of opportunities missed and promises unfulfilled and a population that deserved better. So that's Um, what the two books talk about. That is very powerful. Like, we're going
1: to dive deep. When we come back after break here in just a minute, Lena. I want to go deep into that whole thing with 9-11 and how it affected. I mean, there's terrorists no matter where we live, right? But to and this is just my words, my thoughts, how humans will now look at and categorize people, your group, you label, you label these people as if they're all terrorists. And that's not true. There's families, there's wives, there's children, there's the whole, their world was attacked too. And the lives like what they went through. And I know you've got, so much information for us to share today. And I want to say that your memoir book three that you've written is very powerful. I haven't read it, but I know because of my book that I've, that I've written, you know, now or never the choice is yours. Um, Book three hasn't, doesn't have a publisher.
2: So you are going to
1: get out into the world. (laughs) And we're going to do that because that is so important. It's, it's your story. This is your life. and, You bring it forth. And when you said, you know, it's hard and you've been through so much and you've learned so much, um, kudos to you. And my respect towards you has grown even more so because you're putting yourself out there. Not a lot of people do. And those that that do, I always joke around. Oh, my gosh, you can buy my life story for $22.95 on Amazon, you know. But it's deeper than that. And there's so much wisdom and knowledge that you've personally experienced, I've personally experienced, that will touch people's lives. And to me, that's very powerful. So thank you for taking that time, first of all, to do that. And if there's a listener out there who wants to, be, who's a publisher or knows someone, reach out. You can go to my email, KarenAtShineNowAndEver dot com, and you can go to
2: Lena's. What's your email, Lena? Well, the easiest thing is to find me on social media and I can tell you how to spell my last name. It's A-B-I-R-A-F-E-H. With a last name like that, I'm one of a kind and I'm very easy to find. I love it.
1: Reach out Mm -hmm. to her because we're going to get this book published. So you're going to come back in six months and we're going to deep dive into that book because I'm going to want to know more about that one. So we're going to get ready to go into break. Listeners, stay with us. As we move into break right now and we come back with Lena, we're gonna be talking more about um, Afghanistan and the the things that you've learned and what it's all about. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this message.
3: Your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
0: Everyone knows a realtor. A seasoned realtor, Karen Wright, has the experience and the knowledge of this crazy market. Whether you are a first time homeowner, The book, Now or Never, Shine Baby Shine, is authored by number one international best-selling author Karen Wright. Karen's book invites readers to learn and grow through every aspect of her life. She invites all who have experienced any loss in their life to take time, read, and feel her words as she opens her soul, page after page. Through each twist and turn of her journey, Karen invites her readers to heal and become the person you are truly meant to be. Find your truth, live now, and shine. Visit ShineNowOrNever.com or look for the book on Amazon.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed.
3: Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
0: You are listening to Now or Never, the choice is yours. To connect with the program today, please call us at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, the address is karen at shinenowornever.com. Let's get back to this week's show. Here again is Karen Wright. Listeners,
1: welcome back to Now or Never, the choice is yours. And you always have a choice. And I appreciate the fact that you've made the choice to be with us today. Our guest is a powerhouse advocate, women's global fighter. Lena is with us from New York City today. And Lena has, before we went into break, she was talking about, she has written three books. Two of them have been published. And the third one we're looking for a publisher It's her memoir. So I'm just putting it back out there just in case you missed the first part and just joined us now, because it's very important that we get this book published because memoirs to me are the grit <laughs> of, it's what keeps us all together. And... Um, it's important that we do that we're kept together in a positive light and where we can share and be vulnerable with one another during break. I was asking Lena, she has been to over 20 countries. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. That's correct. Crazy. Uh And he spent Uh four years in Afghanistan. That's right. Okay. Four years, 2002 until 2006 which is crazy, 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 crazy. And during that time, will you share with the listeners, um, you were were doing research, you're on vacation, you were,
2: what were you doing? In Afghanistan. I actually went to Afghanistan to, well, I work on women's rights. So that, and when you work on women's rights, it's never just a job. It's a a duty. It's a calling. It's a 24 seven thing. You're never, you don't check out of it at 5 p.m. Um, So I went to work on women's rights As I had been doing before I moved to Afghanistan, and I was there to set up the Afghanistan office of an international organization. And the organization is called Women for Women International. And it's an organization that works with women in conflict and post-conflict countries. And so they had said to me, would you go and set up uh, the Afghanistan office? And I said, absolutely, yes. And so that is what I did. I went to set it up. I hired and trained the staff, I formed the programs, I found the funding, I set up the whole operation and brought in 3,000 women in the first year of work. And the reason we had so many is because the, the need was so great, because there were wow. so many women who were uh, driven to absolutely uh, to low levels of poverty and desperation and needed help and wanted cash assistance and support and training and vocational skills and basic education and literacy and healthcare and all of it. And so that's what we tried to do. And I did that for a couple of years, moved into the United Nations, stayed in Afghanistan, and then continued on for, uh, to 20 other countries over uh, a 25 year period. So women to women, women for women. women. Women for Women International. That was the one I worked with in Afghanistan. Correct.
1: So when you went in, you put together the entire program. Can women stay in this facility? Or is it like they're learning, they're teaching to, you know, you teach them to fish. You don't hand them the fish. You you teach them the skills to survive, to empower them so they can have their freedom.
2: Correct. Is that well, what this was. this That was exactly it, because what they asked for was financial support. But at the same time, there is a a hierarchy of needs. You know, when you bring people in from the street who are begging and starving, they don't really have the time or even the headspace to take a training program and to enroll in that. Because that takes a bit of time to learn a new skill, to be able to market that skill, to monetize that skill. So what we did at that time in recognition of the fact that these women were were desperate and needed to feed themselves and their families, and they were struggling day-to-day for survival. So we gave them a little bit of cash every month to be able to meet those basic needs. And in doing so, and accepting the cash, they also agreed to enroll in the longer-term program. So it wasn't just building up a dependency. It was also helping them to meet the needs of themselves and their families. Clearly, they were all feeding their, their children and looking after even extended members of the, of the community. And then to learn a new skill where they could then be financially self-sufficient. So the idea was to help them to become independent, not to create these dependencies in a, a hand-to-mouth sort of a way. So they would take uh, vocational training. They would learn um. Uh, basic literacy, health education, whatever other conversations needed to be had, we would kind of curate those for the women in in the groups to be able to to get what they needed out of the program and understanding critically that this is true everywhere, not just in Afghanistan, not just in the countries I've worked in, but everywhere around the world. Women know exactly what it is they need. We just need to listen to them articulating it, and then we need to do those things. You know, I find a lot of people who want to come in and help, but they help according to what they think the needs are or their own parameters or their own needs. And my needs are not yours. And so if I really want to help you, I have to do so first by listening to you to understand who you are, what you need, and what I can deliver. If I'm ready to do it, well, you know, you tell me and I'll see what of that I can actually help you with and how. Mm -hmm. You,
1: you've spoken to many, many, many places and many groups, and you have a piece called I Hate International Women's Day. Yeah. <laughs> Explain this. I like it.
2: I do hate it because, you know, we cannot be relegated to just one day or even the month, you know, the month of March, sometimes Women's History Month. Mm -hmm. It is not enough. And also the way that it is, first of all, it is a 24-7 thing until we achieve equality. And we are, it is worth noting, nowhere near equality globally. Mm -hmm. There is not a single country in the world that has achieved equality, not one. And people think, oh, the States is fine or, oh, some European countries are. No, not one single country has achieved equality. At the present pace, it is going to take us 100 years. I don't think I'll be around to see it. I'm pretty sure I won't be. I don't know about the listeners. Not sure about you. My plans are to not live that long. And as a result of that, I am feeling a little bit impatient. And I think that we should pick up the pace because I would like to see some results in my lifetime, recognizing that we will not have full freedom, rights, equality, dignity, and respect before I leave this life, I am going to continue to fight and do whatever I can to make sure that it happens sooner rather than later, at least for the next generation, because we owe it. We owe it to young women. We owe it to girls now. We we Mm -hmm. owe it to to ourselves to be able to, to have what we rightly deserve, and we don't have it anywhere. I tell you, yeah, no, and I agree
1: with that there. I've had other guests on the show where we've talked about how we're kind of, um, we, we have not really moved forward with a lot of our progress with, with how humans treat each other. I mean, my, and what you're saying right now makes so much sense. I've traveled, the The world. I've done third countries and things. And to see how they live compared to how we live in the u s,
2: it's night and day. that's that's true. But actually, Karen, you know people in the u s still, like the u s. is a very diverse country with it people is. living in poverty. You know, I live in New true. York, and there are still people on the street. There are so many places where mm-hmm. where people, you know, and women, because I see the world through the lens of women, right. are, are driven to very desperate measures in order to have their needs met, in order to, to just to survive. So we are, I think we, we really have a global problem.
1: Yeah. And it's crazy how we do because we, we put so much money into, you know, going to the moon and finding out about the universe. But yet we have polluted this earth and we have taken out of it, the the materials that will help us live longer and we've polluted it and we look around and it's just like, you know, man wanting more and it's man wanting more, that human nature of a man, not meaning some women don't, but I'm just saying how it can cause a lot of um, horrific things, that rippling effect by one choice, by one thing. And yes, every day there's, I'm on a a couple boards for battered women shelters here in Utah. And it is daily and it is running rapid. And as soon as I said that, like in the US, still, even us that have electricity every day, water every day, sewer every day, food on our table, we're a minority in that aspect. If you're looking at the it, huge picture, of the entire world,
2: you there, um, there are rampant inequalities, and we yeah. are living in a, a global culture of a sense of entitlement and and power and abuse mm-hmm. of that power, and that explains everything from violence against women to mm-hmm. uh, to uh, g- countries in conflict. You know, it explains mm-hmm. uh, and to environmental degradation and all of it. We are. Um, we're entitled and exploitative overall. And it really needs a, a, a major reset, a reboot to be able to understand that we just can't keep taking in the way that we do from people, from planet, from, from all of it.
1: Yeah. We're digging, we're digging our own grave. I feel. And a lot of you know, with, with how the world is going right now. And I just want to say one thing. <laughs> I just have this COVID, Brought the world together. Maybe not in that healthy lifestyle, but we all were in the same predicament. We were all sent to our homes. We were all coming inside. We became one as a unit of this world for a moment. For a moment. And how horrific it has been. I've lost a mom. I mean, there's been so much loss and and things happening because of the COVID. It actually, I believe, has helped people look inside of them to what's really more most important. And with your fight with helping women um, find their freedom, find their empowerment. And like you said, you're planting the seeds and you continue to plant the seeds. Do you ever, Lena, just feel discouraged? Do you ever just feel? All the time.
2: All the time. I mean, there is, you know, I, I firstly, I think this shouldn't have to be a job. You know, there's something wrong in the world when, Uh, doing this kind of work, ending violence against women is a job and not common sense. I've said that before. I said it in my TED Talk, you know, this idea of this should not be a a career choice. Nobody sets out to do this. You know, I would love to do a million other things with my time. Uh, But the fact that we have this problem means I feel I have a duty, I have a responsibility to do it. But being discouraged is very much a part of that job. Mm -hmm. It's a part of this calling. It comes with it. It comes with the, the notion that you're not going to solve the problems. You're not going to fix it. There's not going to be any job satisfaction. You're not going to switch off at the end of the day and say you're finished. It is a constant. It will You will never really succeed in the way that you want. And so to understand that you have to measure your life and measure your work in very small ways, in small stories and little anecdotes and in individual experiences rather than in in grand statements of accomplishment, or, or numbers, or you know, patting mm-hmm. yourself on the back, you've got. To, you have to find a way to measure your life and your contribution um, in a way that is uh, that is meaningful, that enables you to keep going and to build in self care. We talked about self love and the idea of uh, recognizing that this is hard. This is hard on the heart because you are experiencing all these tragedies you are sharing in other people's tragedies you know you might be living your own at the same time we're not immune to any of this we're not immune to other people's pain um, and as women you know we can at least share that I mean there is a reason why one in three women and girls worldwide will experience some form of violence one in three that's pretty universal and that's just I think that underestimates the reality you know you ask any woman, Does she know an experience or has she had an experience either with a direct form of physical violence or something emotional, economic, psychological uh, harassment? Even the fear of violence is a form of violence. Mm -hmm. We all know that feeling and the fact that we have to constantly live with that. Uh, means that we're not immune to you know the work that we're doing at least the work that I'm doing or trying to do um, you know I'm not living in a bubble or in a vacuum where I'm safe and I'm trying to rescue other women it's not that at all um, we are always on the front lines of our own lives in that sense whether we're right here at home or in places far away over there it doesn't it doesn't make a difference it's that shared the, the universality of that experience and I, I wish it were not so but. It, it is, it is, and this listeners, this is a a tough topic
1: because Lena doesn't put her head in the sand. Her head is upright, and she is making a movement. She is trying, and she continues to do it. And it's twenty four seven. It's not like you know, kudos. Now I'm VP. My man, no, you know, it's not a, this moving up the ladder thing. She's going straight across the ladder. And she you have the glimpse, you have the aha's, and you have the, oh, that was so good. You know, you see the light in the woman's eyes and you see the smiles that come across. Those are your kudos. That to me is what keeps you going. And I'm saying that just out of my own personal things that I've done with, you know, helping the women at the batter at the shelter and stuff. It's like, oh my gosh, I just I helped them somehow. When we go, we're going to break right now. We come back. We're going to talk a little about 9/11 and that horrific um, day, that devastated the world, and where Lena was at, where I was at, and then moving forward, what Lena has done with that. And we've mentioned a couple of things already with you going to Afghanistan, but working with the women and maybe sharing with with our listeners some of the experiences you had with those people, with the the women over there, and. I'm excited to dive a little bit deeper. So listeners, stay tuned. We'll be right back after this break.
3: Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment.
0: The book Now or Never, Shine Baby Shine is authored by number one international bestselling author Karen Wright. Karen's book invites readers to learn and grow through every aspect of her life. She invites all who have experienced any loss in their life to take time, read, and feel her words as she opens her soul page after page. Through each twist and turn of her journey, Karen invites her readers to heal and become the person you are truly meant to be. Find your truth, live now, and shine. Visit ShineNowOrNever.com or or look for the book on Amazon.com. Everyone knows a realtor. A seasoned realtor, Karen Wright, has the experience and the knowledge of this crazy market. live up to your fullest potential.
3: This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
0: You are listening to Now or Never, the choice is yours. To connect with the program today, please call us at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, the address is karen at shinenowornever.com let's get back to this week's show here again is karen wright
1: listeners welcome back our show has been empowering if you just tuned in we are talking about women's rights and helping women throughout the entire world and my guest today lena is here with us sharing her her desires her love her she plants a seed i want to call you a gardener <laughs> It's beautiful. (laughs) She's a gardener. She's planting these seeds because throughout the show, we've talked. It's like she's not going to reap what she's sowed, but she's planting. And she knows what she's doing. It's her calling. She said this is her calling. This is her mission is to help women find their freedom, empowering them putting a stop to hunger, putting a stop to violence, whether it's physically, emotionally, um, verbally, spiritually. One out of three women have experienced some sort of violence throughout their life. And I guarantee it won't just happen once. It will be multiple times. And it's not just in third world countries. It's not just in Afghanistan. It is worldwide It's in the United States. It's in your neighborhood. It could be the neighbor next door. So with that, I invite Alina. 9-11 was a time in the world that was a sudden attack. And you have a story to share on what you experienced. And I invite you to do that now.
2: Well, nine eleven was a turning point for everyone. Um, I was living in Washington D.C. at the time. I was spending a lot of time in New York. I was in New York on the tenth of September, actually, um, and returned to D.C. on the morning of nine eleven and learned of all of this. I was working at the World Bank, which is next to the White House, so I was extremely close to one of the potential targets, um, and that uh, you know those are. are incredible moments in our lives to experience, you know, what a lot of people experience on a daily basis, that is being under attack, being on the front lines, uh, being afraid, uh, the experience of loss uh, and uncertainty. And that has characterized a lot of what uh, this country is doing and and feeling uh, for the last two decades. So there isn't, you know, it's not an isolated incident that has actually left us. But for me personally, that opened the door to work in Afghanistan. And I had really wanted to do that Uh, for many years before. And I'd worked overseas prior to that point, but Afghanistan was a place that really um, had captured my attention. Uh, The conditions of women, people's lives, the country itself. Uh, It is an incredibly kind of dramatic landscape. It's got a a history of occupation and fighting out that occupation. Afghans themselves are extraordinary people. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the suffering of, of the Afghan people uh, c- could not be ignored. And and for me, that really, um, uh, that hit me, you know, in a, in a hard place. And I wanted to be able to go and was finally given the opportunity after 9-11. And so that opened the door to uh, working in conflict countries. Um, so I spent four years in Afghanistan, as you know, I did my doctoral research on that experience. I wrote a book on it. I wrote a second book on it just now. Um, So Afghanistan never really left me. But at the same time, I was lucky enough to work in about 20 other countries. So across sub-Saharan Africa, in um, countries like Papua New Guinea, in Haiti after the earthquake, in Nepal after the earthquake, uh, and mostly recently in Lebanon. So some really, really interesting, challenging countries. But, you know, coming back to the States also, like you said, um, this this is a front line too. There is work to do here. Women's rights are being stripped away everywhere we look. Um, We are denied rights to our own bodies and lives, and that could be codified into law. Uh, And in many Mm -hmm. places, it has been already. So what are we doing to protect ourselves, uh, our our rights to decide about our own bodies, to make our own choices, the rights of our daughters, to be able to live free, to live lives free of violence? We can't even take that for granted. Mm -mm. So... You know, I, it was never a a thought that, well, you know, I've left the war zones and so now I'm living this normal life. It really is that the war zone is everywhere and it never leaves us.
1: And you would think in society we've matured so much, you know, back, I mean, you look at the, you know, the cars, you know, we had horses and we have cars and then we have gas cars and then we have electrical cars and now we're going to have flying cars. I mean, it's just progression, right? But yet humanity hasn't the respect hasn't, and you mentioned during break um, that you have a blog. Will you share with our listeners about the blog and where they can, you know, find that? And you wrote an article
2: about something that I want to talk a little bit about. Great, I would love that. I, so, okay. I publish on Medium. Um, I love to write, I find it very healing, I find it also kind of confronting and a good way to better understand my own life and what I've done and what I now would like to do. So for me, writing is the mirror. Uh, And I I really enjoy doing that. And I find that it's personal when it resonates with people. It is um, it's an added bonus. So I tend to write for my, for myself and for my own processes. And to see my thoughts on paper or on the screen um, helps me come to terms with them. And when people tell me, Oh, that really meant something to me. I think, Oh my goodness, that's even better. That's great. So it's on Medium under my name, and then I also have a blog, and it's all kind of interconnected. People can, people can get to my name, they can get to all of it, which is great. Um, and I write about, you know, whatever kind of comes to my mind. Uh, there's, there, there's no, unfortunately, there's no shortage of material, right? There are things going on. I recently wrote about uh, what's happening to women in, in Togo, as a result of that natural disaster, I've written about women in Haiti, where I used to live. I've written about women right here, about what's happening in Afghanistan, obviously, about what it why I was inspired to do this work. You know, so many different mm-hmm. topics. Um, also, things like uh, sexual harassment in the workplace, um, child marriage, and how that still exists just about everywhere, including here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. If you don't believe it, uh, I do. and whatever whatever topics come to, come to mind, just to be able to, to put them out there into the world and to, and to create a conversation. And I'm sure, I'm sure the conversations aren't
1: always light and airy, are they?
2: They are not, but what I try and do, you know, I, I think my writing style is such that, you know, I don't, I don't think I take myself particularly seriously and I don't, and I take the issue seriously, but I don't think it needs to be, um, uh, it, you know, it needs to be said in tears all the time or in anger. And mm-hmm. having said that, you know, I, I really, I do believe in the power of anger. I think it's the anger that uh, that inspires us and that gives us the, the fuel that we need to act against injustice. And I, I keep telling young people, especially, you know, if you're not angry about some things and you're asleep, you're just, you're not paying attention, you know, and in this day and age, we're so interconnected. Like you can't miss those things. You might right. not feel them as deeply, but you can't say you didn't know them. Um, so there's that but at the same time when I write I try and do it in a way that is somewhat lighthearted because I really want to pass the message on to people who otherwise wouldn't be listening and they're not going to come at it from a from the same place that we might where we're already inspired and ignited and active and out there um and and screaming about it you know they're going to come at it from a, a place maybe of curiosity with questions and they don't know about these issues and why they're important so I try and position it that way as much as I can and I For think an that's audience that... yeah to answer that's open
1: or has questions like you said and there's a lot of the unknown um, and to me what you're doing is is so empowering and I don't want righteous like righteous kind like I don't know why that word just came to me but you're doing good and it's not a negative thing, what you're doing. You're, drawing, you're bringing attention to things that's happening all over the world. And if someone, in my opinion, my opinion, listeners, if you're angry about what you're reading or listening, then you're totally in denial. And maybe you need to step up to the plate, or maybe you're on the other side, causing the problem. And that would, to me, be a wake up call for that individual or person. Um, mm-hmm. How can we empower women? We've got just a couple more minutes before the show ends. And Lena, you're so powerful. Listeners, please, please, please go to her site, www.Lina, L-I-N-A, Abirafi, dot hcom Wow. Thank you're you. <laughs> I just ran down here. <laughs> But I'm just saying, pay attention to it, what this show is about today. There's room always to help. I know in life we want to help so much, and sometimes we don't know how to. And I am sure that in your local neighborhood, you can reach out to the women's shelter, to the homeless shelter, to the food banks. Helping somehow, being of service and planting that seed is so important. So how can... We've got a couple minutes, so I want you to just share with the listeners something that we can take with us today. And there's so much to take with us, so much you have shared, and kudos in my heart goes out to you. How can we empower first of, like empower ourselves? I guess address uh-huh. the individual.
2: Uh-huh. You know what? It, what empowerment means to me is really about having. Choice and voice and rights and access to resources and opportunities, and all of that in a way that is free and and equitable and accessible um, and valued in society. So, you know, it means all of those things. So, how do you do it as an individual? Well, you know, I chose to make a career out of this, but that doesn't mean that that is the only way, the right way to do it. There are so many ways you can do it in your home. You can just listen and and pay attention to girls and how they are, what what how they are living in the world and how the emotions they're experiencing and the issues that they're facing. Um, you can learn from what's happening online around you in the world, in your neighborhood, anything at all. And if you choose to act on those things, you know you can act in in micro ways that have macro impacts. You can do it in your home with your family, your community, your friends. You know, talking to people to tell them, you know what, that's actually not. The right kind of thing to say, or this behavior isn't acceptable, or listening to women when they tell you this is what they're experiencing and how to help them and support and be an ally and advocate. You know, it comes in very small ways. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important that people really accept that and start to take responsibility rather than collectively shrug and say, This problem is too big. It doesn't concern me. It doesn't happen here. It's not my problem. It's not my fault. I didn't cause it and then uh, basically deny their own responsibilities. So you know that for me is very, um, is, is dangerous, mm-hmm. right? It is the idea that it belongs to all of us. It is everything, it's everywhere. It's collective, it's communal, and we all have to do our part to be able to stop it. And when we do it in small ways, in our home, in school, in the marketplace, in the workplace, in office, in public office, in whatever space you occupy, you can take that and make it feminist. When I did my TED Talk, you know, when you do TED Talks, you stand in the middle of a red circle. And so I said, you know, if everybody takes responsibility for their own little red circle, their own little space, and they start where, they're, where they stand, literally, then it will make a difference. It will be contagious. You know, behavior mm-hmm. is contagious. So you might as well make it good behavior. So take responsibility for your space, for your little red circle, for the place where you stand, and that can have a major impact.
1: Lena, thank you for sharing that with us today. Listeners, be responsible. Take, look at that little circle around you. What can you do to help that? And as you look, does your circle collide with others or does it evolve around others? Does it emerge with others? And the energy that we put off, I truly believe our energies cross to where we become one. So remember the affirmation for today. I surround the earth with love and light. The breath is a gift of life. Choose now and live. Remember, this world is not for sissies. We are here to experience our own story as we each walk our personal journey. Have an amazing day and thank you for choosing to be here now. Until next week,
0: sending you all love and light. Thank you for sharing your time with us. Now and ever, The Choice Is Yours can be heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We hope you'll join us again soon.